0: Right at the Fork is brought to you this week by Whole Foods Market. Local summers just taste better. This summer, get local at Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com to find your local store.
1: Terry Welch. I'm right at the fork this morning. This is Chris Angelus, and uh, I'm really happy to have uh, on the phone with us today uh, Carrie Welch, who is many of you know uh, is one of the is the co-founder of Feast Portland, and uh, also the co-founder of Little Green Pickle. uh, That's responsible for a lot of what you read, impressions that are uh, that you'll see about restaurants and. um, and she is just a delightful woman. I think uh, you can get lots of information on Feast uh, through different sources, especially on the website, but I wanted to talk to Carrie about herself, not so much about the event today, and we had the opportunity to do that, starting with her childhood in Connecticut. She grew up about uh, 20 miles, eh, 15 maybe, from where I grew up, and um, so we share some common love of pizza and so forth. And the the Long Island Sound uh, was a big part of our lives um, growing up. So it's a pleasure to talk to her about that. But what I think you'll find amazing too is how in five short years, she's gone from moving here and we'll hear that story to uh, developing one of the premier food festivals in the country. And it's going to be in its fourth year already. She just got here five years ago and really didn't know where she was going. So her plan was really to open a restaurant, which has not happened. And we're actually glad that hasn't happened because what she's done is fantastic. I think you'll enjoy uh, our talk with Carrie Welch this morning. Share it with others. And we know that Carrie is quite, and Jannie are quite adept at social media. So let's show them what you can do in sharing her episode with others. Uh, we appreciate it. And of course, we also appreciate ratings and comments at any of the places where you can find this podcast Stitcher iTunes wherever even our website Uh, write us and say hello and if you have guest ideas we'd love to hear those too but uh, this is a great guest idea very well how are you doing
2: I'm doing great how are you
1: all right what are we uh, a few weeks before a feast and you're doing great you have never shown any inclination to be nervous (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, you can't ever let him see you sweat,
1: right? Do you sweat? Uh,
2: you know, not really. Once in a while.
1: I didn't think so. I thought you'd get through scot-free. You've built this thing into um, a, uh, a the premier event without without ever breaking a sweat. That's what Well, I'm,
2: that's because we have a good team. That's, I know. That's the secret. We had Emily last awesome year. Team.
1: We had Emily last year. You got Mike, who's awesome, and uh, a huge team, and Jannie, of course— Um, But, you know, this morning I wanted to do something a little different because we know that you're out there um, talking to a lot of people about Feast. So Mm -hmm. that opportunity exists for people to get all the information they need at, uh, what is it, FeastPortland.com? That's right. P-O-R-T-L-A-N-D, which is spelled out because not everybody who comes from out of town for this wonderful event knows about the PDX thing.
2: That is our own special thing
1: here. Yes, exactly. So what I would like to do, because we initially had another, um, another guest to talk about their background uh, on Feast, and we're fortunate to have you, I would like to talk about what led to Feast and how oh. your, career, your career arc and your life arc that got you to Feast. And then we'll leave it to everybody else to talk about the events of the actual festival
2: that's great this is the best topic for me myself
1: i uh, exactly we can <laughs> we can cover it and you and i have a slight a little bit of a common background because we both grew up in connecticut
2: we did southern connecticut no less
1: that's right We're, on the where coast the
2: best pizza on earth comes from
1: we've been talking i think pizza we just had sarah minnick with us to record oh. her episode
2: I love Sarah Minnick. I've never met her in person. I have a girl crush on her, and it's all because of her Instagram.
1: Well, Carrie, if you had, if we had thought about it, um, we could have had you in the studio. You would have met Sarah at least passing oh on the way out. So
2: I think I would have fangirled, like too hard and passed out.
1: <laughs> well, that wouldn't have been good. Then we would have started the podcast with a uh, resuscitation. We've never done that before.
2: <laughs> a first that right at the fork. <laughs>
1: Well, we're uh, we everything almost everything's a first here. Although we've been doing this, we're now going on a year and a half. So you've done three okay. years at at Feast. How long have you been in Portland now?
2: So we've been in Portland about five years now. Can you believe it? Only flies f- when you're having fun.
1: Wow, five! And so I, you're half as much as me, and you know <laughs> ten times as much as I do. And I don't think uh, that's true, Chris. Well, I don't. I know, just
2: so- am really good at at making it look like I do. Maybe my my wife says that I'm the best. Like maker upper of an answer around.
1: Um well, you come from PR, right? <laughs> that's kind of a, maybe that's it. Yeah, well that's it's either the chicken or the egg. I don't know. But um so that being said, you've um you told me once I love it, your story of coming to Portland and your first job and how you got it. Can you uh can you share that this morning? I would
2: be I would be happy to. I, I feel like um The the story of how Carrie and Jenny moved to Portland, is I mean, it's kind of a funny story. And it's actually a story that a lot of people have done with the the amount of East Coast transplants that are here now. Mm -hmm. But I feel like no one quite so, I don't know, um, we were very uh, upfront and honest about what we were doing when we decided to leave New York City. And the reason a lot of people say, like, why did you leave New York to come to Portland and to me, I feel like, why wouldn't I? You know, there's such an incredible life that we have here that wasn't, at least for us, accessible when I was living in Brooklyn and working in Manhattan and jamming myself onto a subway every day for 45 minutes each way. You, well, know, and what's you that? know, what's wrong with that?
1: What's wrong with that? That's hard. <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> uh, to me, it's so unappealing now living out here to be. Yeah. Uh, so, an, so that's an hour and a half a day in a in a can underground underground right in heat and and it's not always on time so i have no idea why you'd want to leave that
2: i know and i i get to drive a car you know i drive my hybrid and you know i try to do the right things but it's funny people say like why don't you take the next i'm like i did my time i was in like public transportation prison
3: for 15
2: (laughs) years so I feel like, you know, when you reach that point in New York where you're about to push grandma down the stairs to get to your train, you know, maybe you want to reevaluate your life a little bit. And maybe you want to say, there's probably something better for me. So that's and, what Janie and I did.
1: And it wasn't only only the subway. Let's, before we get to that story, <laughs> we have to lay the groundwork. You had a wonderful job at, at the Food Network. I mean, this I is did. something that a lot of people, it wasn't it was people saying, why do you want to leave New York? You had a great job. So... Why would
2: you want to leave the Food Network more ex- importantly? Ex- Carrie, exactly. Duh.
1: exactly. So, what you, <laughs> And what did you do at the Food Network? What are some of your most memorable things? Which I think is a nice segue into your connections there to your job here.
2: Sure. I, so I was really lucky. I graduated um, New York University. I was at the tender age of like 20, 21. And, um, and I started interviewing for you know, admin jobs around New York. And I landed at the Food Network. I graduated on a Friday. I was working at Food Network the following Monday.
1: And what year was this? Because Food Network wasn't what it is today.
2: No, that was in 2000. Okay. Um, So I was. It was
1: pretty pretty new. It was just.
2: It was still new. It had started in 1994. Right. So it was about six years old. And it was the time of Emerald. It was bam, kick it up a notch, pork fat Mm rule. And people were bowing at the altar of Emerald. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like it. And that's what I entered into. As you know, a, a budding young professional and I stayed there. I was I was lucky enough to be promoted, I guess. And um, ten years later, I left as vice president of PR, which was the department I came into as an assistant.
1: Man, I hear all I hear a lot of budding PR people salivating right now and going, <laughs> "Man, she really must have loved Portland."
2: Yeah, well, and I got so lucky. I had great bosses. I mean, these are this is the kind of like true family-type corporate setup, which doesn't happen a lot. There's a lot of people at Food Network who have been there even longer than I was, 15, 20, 25 years, because it is that kind of company where you don't have to deal with a lot of the politics and just the crap that normally comes, because people are just nicer there. Um, Brooke Johnson, the president of the company, who, who actually just announced her retirement a couple of days ago, um, she's a mentor and a friend. You know, So it's just like you know, I was this junior-level person but there were always senior level men and women who took an interest in me and brought me up. So, so now I kind of make it my mission to do that for other people. Because if people hadn't done it for me, then I obviously wouldn't be where I am today.
1: Do you think the food, do, what, what you know of the Food Network, is it still like that? Or has is it, is it gone over that, that, the cliff of uh, congeniality?
2: I would say that the culture of working there is definitely the same because for the most part, a lot of the same people are there. But I feel like what the network has had to make decisions for its business. And so when I was there, there was a lot of cooking shows. We launched Giada DiLorensis. We launched Ina Garten, Paula Dean. You know, people that were really, like, kind of the straight-up, like, I'm in a kitchen, and I'm going to show you how to make something. Mm-hmm. And then the competition shows came. Like, I was part of the launch of Iron Chef Japanese, the first version of Iron Chef, with wow. the subtitles and the dubbing over, which was really fun. But, you know, they made decisions that the competition, unfortunately, gets ratings, and that's where they are now. So it's, it's hard because it's a bit of a catch-22.
1: It's permeated um, just reality too not only television yeah. but you know i i remember getting an email from john gorham once that he wasn't into competitive cooking and when i asked him to do a couple of events and now he's he's at plaza del toro they have their vs program over there which i'm i know is fun and he's probably really enjoys it but it's you know that sort of thing is uh, is yeah you, ha- you don't have to do it but it's got a lot of attention now
2: You know, I think it's that, you know, chefs are naturally competitive. People like watching them compete. And there's something about, this is true of competition shows and reality shows and um, kind of the traditional cooking show. People like watching a recipe be completed. That's the basic thing about Food Network that makes it so attractive. I don't know why. For me, I cook, but I don't cook a lot because Danny, my wife, is an incredible cook who trained in a kitchen for two and a half years. But when I cook, I, the best feeling is when you're done. So I feel like it's like, you know, almost like working out, you know, and that's what people like to see on TV.
1: That's interesting. It's not the process. It's the completion and the result and the judging of it now. How was oh, it? Oh, I
2: know. <laughs> that's everything. I mean, we get to judge each other, too.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure chefs don't like that. And, and usually the criticism comes about when, who, who the hell is this judging my food?
2: Well, and that's hard because I remember being on the set of Iron Chef America when we made it into a a United States version, and it was neat because we brought it in in house. It had been done out of house for a long time, and the Japanese show we purchased from um, Fuji Television in Tokyo, and so this was the first time we were going to try to attempt to do Iron Chef like inside of Food Network Studios. And I remember standing on set, and the chefs were really nervous. It was a Bobby Flay battle to start because he was just somebody who could kind of handle the pressure. And then the, the judges walked on after the competition, and a lot of times the chefs are just like, wait, what? Like, who? You know, but I don't Vanilla know. Vanilla like ice? Said.
1: Vanilla ice? He's out here?
2: <laughs> judging, judging any kind of cooking is always really difficult, and you try to get chefs judges that are notable in some way, shape, or form, and maybe they don't know as much about food. I don't know. But yeah. we always, I don't know. The producers of that show always try their best to kind of balance the the camp and the humor with the serious food stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I. That's, so, yeah. That's one of my favorite um, TV shows because it's the most. I think the most serious of all of them. It's the less, the least. Fewer novelties, less camp, and. Uh, Me too. And if you can withstand that, as Vitaly Paley did. Is he the, <laughs> only, is he the only Portland chef that has won? Yes. I think yeah, so. Yeah, Naomi
2: Pomeroy competed too, but unfortunately lost.
1: Right, so how, can, how come Portland has only had two chefs on Iron Chef, but about 600 on Chopped?
2: Gee, I don't know why, Chris. I don't know if anybody moving from New York City five years ago has anything to do with
1: that. <laughs> well, get on that. We need more Iron <laughs> Chef contestants. Yeah, unfortunately, Iron Chef got canceled. Too bad. Oh, it, oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, and I thought it was just me.
2: Yeah, nope, it's not you.
1: It did not make it. Oh, that's a shame.
2: It made it for seven years, so I think that that's kind of like usually a bit of the life of a, of a television show, and it's, it, it's interesting when you're inside how television works. It's very ratings-driven, um, and that's what I think people underestimate about Food Network a lot, because, because it's what we eat. You know, it's something that we do every day. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting if there was like a breathing channel or a fitness channel or something else that we have to do every day.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't um, watch that.
2: Because... People have, like, real definite opinions about it.
1: Yeah. But food is something we all have in, in common, and it's creative. And I guess some could say fitness could be creative. but
2: Maybe. It's, it's just a, not food's that exciting. a lot more
1: fun. <laughs> so what was it like hanging out with Bobby Flay?
2: It was really cool. He's one of my favorites because he uh, was definitely an advocate for me and helped me understand what chefs do every day. I was on a couple of book tours with him where we traveled together a lot and just saw, like, the, just the massive amount of work that they take on. I traveled with Bobby and Rachel Ray and Jada De Laurentiis, and I kind of learned what it was like to never stop working, truly, ever. And they um, inspired me. You know, I worked real hard for that network because I thought that I was working for people that, like, if they were not stopping working, then why should I? You know, and I wanted them to do well, and I wanted their shows to be successful. So it was just a lot of fun and and also, chefs know how to have fun, so we would go out after the, the hard work was complete and, uh, you know, just, like, drink our faces off and go dancing.
1: Well, get that out of their way before you had uh, had your <laughs> child, because that's not happening anymore.
2: No, no, and I'm glad, because my <laughs> 20s, you know, I'm not looking back saying, like, gee, I really wish I dot, dot, dot. You know, there's not a lot that I I missed out on. I mean, I was lucky enough when I was at Food Network, I traveled to every major city in the United States. I went to the White House. I went to the Super Bowl. So I, I look back, and I only have really fond memories of this network that let me do kind of whatever I wanted to when I was really young.
1: Wow. That's a nice experience. Those are some great experiences. Who was in the White House when you visited?
2: It was that it was Obama was there. And we did the um, episode of Iron Chef America where the chef used um, the secret ingredient was the White House garden, which, first of all, how yeah. phenomenal that Michelle Obama made a White House Garden when there hadn't been one for decades,
1: wow, and
2: that we were able to show it on Food Network.
1: That is an uh, an incredible experience, and the nightlife in those cities, but particularly in New York, uh, you know, I don't think you could have that kind of nightlife in Portland. You could,
2: <laughs> you can't. Well, Portland, everything closes at eight forty-five. Ex- so exactly. Really can. I
1: mean, you can find an occasional spot, but it's not like let's go out and just wing it. You have to yeah, plan it here. Yeah, I
2: mean, unless you're like the young set, like I follow a Little Slim Lady, and I, I tell her all the time that I live vicariously through her because you know the 20-something set, like they, you know, certainly have their clubs and places that they go, but there's there's just not as many. And with it, what I loved about New York City, and I do still miss, is the energy and the pace that there is always something to do, even if it's 3 a.m.
1: Yes. Or yeah, the, that's the you can be out and the roads are crowded and the streets are uh, the sidewalks are packed at, at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, which obviously is not the case here. It's the best yeah. time to drive. You, never,
2: you don't really ever feel alone. I know it sounds weird because you're in a city of eight million people, mm-hmm. but you never you never feel like you're by yourself, which, you know, I went to college in New York City, too. And I, I you know, Greenwich Village was my campus. So I've always felt like a, just a real security there, which I know sounds totally counterintuitive to most people. But I think that people underestimate what a friendly city New York can be. If you ask the New Yorker for directions, they will always help you out, really. It's when you get in a New Yorker's way, then they get mad at you.
1: Yeah, no, I can see that. And, uh, and the other part of it is, Carrie, if you can feel comfortable and feel that way about New York, then Portland is cake for you.
2: Well, I love, so when we, so let's talk about when we landed in Portland. Yeah, what,
1: what was the first, when was the first time you were here when you said, hey, this wouldn't be a bad idea to do? And that's a big decision for a couple like you.
2: It, it was. And so Jenny had left Food Network in 2008. Um, she, we had come to Portland on vacation and we ate and drank here for two weeks straight, like literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We went to a farm out in, um, I want to say like Canby, you know, one of those towns that's like 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the coast, went to um, Cannon Beach, and we went to wine country all in those two weeks. And we were really just motivated to see what the city had to offer. And we just kind of couldn't believe it because it's a Goldilocks city where it's not too big, not too small.
1: It's There's Disneyland. Of f- on, it's the right? Disneyland of food, I always call it. It's like yeah. you can't. <laughs> Really you can is. do that for two weeks. You have the full pass. And by the way, who who guided you? Who was your guide, or how did yeah. you decide where we to just, go?
2: We researched ourselves, and we we kind of pulled our friends on Facebook a little bit, and we to our surprise had had a lot of friends that spent time here, so they had some real definite opinions about where to go, and you know, look up this chef, tell them I said hi, you know, because that's how Portland is. So we felt really at home. Like for example, we had a mutual friend of Jen Lewis who connected us, and that's how we first met Jen and David. And we got to go see Lincoln as it was being built, which was really cool.
1: Yeah, and Jannie worked there for a while. So. <laughs>
2: and then Janie, yeah, so then, like, fast forward two years later, Janny and Carrie finally, you know, get the wherewithal, sell their apartment, although actually we didn't even totally sell it until we moved here. But we were close enough that we decided to finally drive cross country Take two weeks, go the southern route. You know, we had we went to Graceland, had barbecue, went to Santa Fe, like Grand Canyon, you know, check out a few things off the bucket list. Nice route. And then we um, got here and we were like, okay, we need to get jobs because we're going to open a restaurant in Portland, Oregon, which we don't really know that well. We have no family here, like all friends. And how are we going to do this? We're going to do it from the inside out because that's the only thing that makes sense is to kind of actually learn the city. So, Jenny got a job at Lincoln, thanks to Jen Lewis, giving her, uh, you know, just basically on a wing and a prayer, a uh, line cook job. And I got a server job at Wildwood. So, that was fun.
1: But but it, there's it, a story behind getting that job, correct? Oh, this
2: story? <laughs> you want to know the Bobby Flay story yes, behind getting that job? which up?
1: you just gave the punchline out, but that's okay.
2: Oh, man. So, well, I papered this town with my resume. And and people say like oh you know how did you get to where you are and all this stuff I got to where I am because I hustled hard when I first got here because I was scared out of my mind because who was going to hire the vice president of PR from the Food Network in a server job you know that was kind of, I knew that was crazy.
1: Well, you certainly know. How, well, and, you said it before. You know how to give the right answer at the right situation. That's certainly <laughs> something a server could use.
2: Yes. You know, you think that PR could translate into a server job pretty well. Yeah. And I imagine for most people, it probably did, just unfortunately not me. Or I guess fortunately in a way. But we, uh, so finally, like Wildwood called me back and I couldn't believe it. And a lot of people said, Do you realize what your resume is? Like, are you sure? Like, what are you doing? And so Wildwood asked me all those questions, but then said that they were intrigued by my resume because of the PR experience. And maybe if they hired me, I could help them on that too. Right. And I said, great. And you had a couple of references on there. Yes. My number one, you know, restaurant reference was Bobby Flay because I had worked for him kind of on the fly right before I left New York as a hostess at his Midtown restaurant, Bar American. And it was kind of funny because I was was still, you know, vice president of PR, um, which was never, you know, the big title that it sounds like. But uh, I was then on the weekends, a, a hostess dressed in black, with six other hostesses dressed in black at bar American. so bobby agreed to be my reference and i think the other guys at wildwood were just like she is full of crap <laughs> there is no way a little overkill like, here well i just said i was like just tell me when you want him to call and he will call
1: you <laughs> i'll have bobby Flay- that happens all the time when people are applying for server positions or hostess positions yeah did you, you want know, bobby Flay to that. call yeah
2: so I arranged for a day and a time and he called them and, you know, gave me, gave a reference. And I think the reference was something to the effect of I'm Bobby Flay, hire her.
1: And yeah. So when Bobby Flay speaks.
2: You listen. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's, I think when people underestimate him, a lot of people say things like, oh, he's too cocky or he's arrogant or whatever. And it's not, it's really not that in real life. It's that he is very confident. And he's just not, he's not afraid. He's not afraid to say things that are honest. And so when he calls you, he's just like, listen, Carrie's a good worker. Hire her.
1: Well, not only that, that, but but that's that's it. That's the way things are done in New York. Yes. That's the way business works. It doesn't work that way here. It's much softer here. And uh, so it's, it's about connections and not that connections don't work here, but the bluntness that he displayed in that comment was exactly what you said, because he's confident in what he does, he's good at what he's do- he does, and that's the way they operate in New York. Yeah, y- yeah, you should know who I am, and so if I'm telling you this, it's not bullshit.
2: Yeah, exactly, and it's not meant, like you're saying, it's not meant to be mean or it's not meant to be kind of like, you know, douchey. It's meant to be just real.
1: And, 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 and get you know, it, and get no it done. Just get done. What, what's the objective of this call? To get, to get Carrie hired. Okay, and this is how I'm going to say it. Just do it. <laughs> Hire her. Exactly. It's like
2: how you and I do business, Chris. Right? It's
1: like East Coast. Yeah. Well, that's true. And uh, although I've so have you softened, I've uh, softened I, a little I bit. You know,
2: I've softened. You yeah. know you, You've known me the five years I've been here.
1: I can't believe it's only five years because that, to me, is a testament to look what you've accomplished in five years from a. Thanks. I, yeah. Uh, that's when you first said that at the top. I'm like, wow, that doesn't seem like long. It isn't long, but that's a we that's, took.
2: A, we took a year to do feast the first. Um, So, like, the planning for the first year of Feast, we got here in November 2010 when the Bobby Flay conversation happened, and I got hired at Wildwood. And at that same exact time, that's when I met Mike Thielen, and we started talking about Feast. And then we waited because, you know, most people would have been like, oh, hey, let's do an event, and, you know, a few months later, let's just put it on. Right. But we knew we had to plan it well, and we knew we had to take our time. We had to raise a lot of money to, to get things um, to where we wanted them to be in order to have the quality level be what Feast is now. So then we launched Feast the following year in September of 2011. That's so
1: still remarkable to me. It's,
2: it's, it's actually still very fast in terms of like a, a national-leaning festival.
1: I, it's, and I'll tell you my perspective. So I'm working on these trips with chefs to Europe. So oh, I've, been, yeah. I've been working, we haven't even gone on our first one yet. We sold out to Barcelona with Jose at a tower. Congrats on that. That was really fun. He and I met this morning. But we started a year ago. This is for 16 people. You have how many thousands coming to feast? We and, had 12,000 last year. Yeah, so, so you had yeah. 12,000. I'm 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 trying to make 16 people comfortable. And, I
2: think uh, that it's the same. It's almost like with the with the baby. that Your, your wonderful producer, Heather Jones, once said to me, it, it doesn't matter where you're going. If you're going down the street or if you're going to the coast for a week, you're going to pack the same amount of stuff. And I feel that way on events. It doesn't matter the size of the event. You still have to do all the same thing.
1: Yeah, but that's there are a lot of moving pieces to what you're doing.
2: That's very and, true. And we just to, have to do them 30 times over. So Yeah,
1: 30 times over and do them well. The thing that is impressive to me is that first year, for those of us who weren't you on the inside and your team, it looked it, – I'm sure there, there were some glitches on your end, but it, looked, it was like clockwork and so well done and so big. You um, know, I have
2: to say that a lot of people ask me, like, what was it like the first year? And it was a, it was a marathon for Mike, Danny, um, Emily, Crowley, and, and I. Um, and we also had Jillian Porton working with us at the time as our associate producer. And we just we literally ran for six months leading up to the festival because that was kind of the go time. And we worked twenty four hours a day we we had shifts where people would say, "Okay, I have to go eat dinner now. Um, I'm going to be offline for an hour, but i'll be on I'll be back on by eight thirty and you know that was so fun because if anybody's ever done a, a startup business before, that's what it feels like, you know where you're just creating something out of nothing and you're so passionate about it and it feels like life or death, even though it's not you know it's a festival about food, but it was really I remember running being like like listening to 8 Mile by Eminem and being like, God, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great, you know? And so that feeling was unlike anything I've ever felt in my life. And when the festival happened, I I felt like weak in the knees, you know? I felt like, wow, it is actually looking like what we thought it was going to look like.
1: Which is remarkable because you never know the first time exactly how it's going to come together.
2: I've done a lot of events, and I have to say, you know, when I was, in my my ten years at Food Network, I hired a lot of event producers. I have never met anyone as good as Emily Crowley in my life. Like t- everyone else, paled in comparison to her. And I know that that sounds cheesy because she, you know, is our employee, but she's our friend and our partner. And I we could not have done it without her. And I hired her on a dance floor during Wild About Games because that's how crazy I am.
1: Uh, well, that's wild.
2: <laughs> so Sorry. things fall into place sometimes.
1: Um, so how did that occur? You hired her on the day. Did you meet her then at the dance I had floor?
2: just met her. So I, 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 you know, back in my... Were you looking middle, for somebody
1: or, middle, or was it like, wait a minute, she would be good for this team. We don't have this position, but this would be great. How did that work?
2: That is basically exactly what happened. So I had met Emily a couple of times around Portland because she was doing her freelancing PR stuff or uh, PR event stuff. And I was freelance PRing. So our, our paths kept crossing um, classic wines auction, um, wild about game. And I just was like, who is this woman that everyone is hiring to do their event? And so I met around wild about game and there was a hotel room mix up when we walked into wild about game. They, I was, um, doing some kind of like hosting or, um, something with the media at that event. And I was supposed to have a room for Janie and I, and Emily walks up to us in the ho- in the lobby. And is like, so you don't have a room, but you're going to stay with me. And it's going to be great because I'm never going to be in that room. And I'm like, who is this woman? I don't even know her. And we're going to just stay in her room. Okay. So we did. And we kind of became friends, obviously, through that. And um, towards the end of Wild About Game, there's a lot of fun after parties that Jeff and his team do. Mm-hmm. And so we were in, I think, a garage of a condo complex. And we decided, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Super baby Baby's getting some, some fan love on our walk here. Um, he um, So we were in the, the garage of this condo complex, and I just said to Emily, I was like, so we're thinking of starting this festival, and I really think that you'd be great for it. Do you want to chat? And she was like, yeah, but this was like during karaoke and like some <laughs> wild dance party.
1: Do you remember what the song was? <laughs> I
2: don't. I remember that I saved my wife, who I love more than anything, but doesn't know the words to any song ever. Same with so, me. I'm pretty sure, like it was, like a Bust a Move type song, mm-hmm. and I. Oh no, it was Shoop. Oh, you remember? It was Shoop, and I know go. all the words to Shoop because I grew up in the '90s and I was on the dance team, and we did a routine to it. So, in case music, music better than food. Dance for a conversation. Do you want to like make it official and have coffee? <laughs> so, that was that.
1: That is, uh, and it went. I have a question for you because I always marvel at this. The intensity of putting feasts together with your wife. Oh yeah. Did did it solidify the love? Did it prove that you could get through some hurdles and still love each other, or how did how how did that play out over time?
2: You know, Janie and I work together at Food Network, so I feel like we've worked together for a long time, and we we it's like this just it's always there for us, and we're not really worried about it either way. Where the work doesn't affect our relationship. So we disagree about work every single day. We're one of those couples where we're the business owners, like, you know, the, the mom and mom team, I guess. And the, our poor employees, like, have to listen to us, debate everything. But it's it's kind of for the better because it makes the work, like, really good where we've we've looked at it from every angle. So even when we are at Food Network, Danny was at FoodNetwork.com leading the design team there. And I would, like, need stuff from them all the time. I needed photos and assets and logos. And, you know, she would give me a hard time because she was kind of flirting with me, I think, at the time. But uh, it wasn't ever this thing like, oh, yes, Carrie, I'm going to do whatever you say. Or, oh, yes, Jenny, I'm going to do whatever you say. We've always had kind of a real respect for each other and each other's work. It also helps that Jenny does work that I don't know how to do Mm -hmm. at all. Like I'm not a designer. I don't and, know how to use and Photoshop.
1: I, by the way, that was one of the things that impressed me so much at all three events. But in my first exposure to it was the design of everything at Feast and how how well thought out it was and how beautiful it was and how you could have taken the easy way out and never did. And uh, she, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I well, was. I thought you we'll did. We'll tell
2: Danny via this interview that you said that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> l- let her hear it. But um, no, I. I'm, and I'm not just. I'm not just saying that. I was just. Design is important to me. I come from the advertising world, and I just thought that was a big part of your success,
2: thanks yeah we we were lucky to work with Wyden and Kennedy our first year, and jenny took the style guide that they created for us and really just brought it to life. so and so, since then so she year, she was guiding two, Wyden and Kennedy. I'm sorry.
1: She was guiding Wyden widening Kennedy.
2: <laughs> no, you can't you know you can't guide Wyden and Kennedy. <laughs>
0: We're going to take a break here and have a brief word from our sponsors at Whole Foods Market. I don't know if you guys know this, but Whole Foods has been supporting their community and their local businesses for, for eons, as long as they've been in business. And uh, we have a little clip here from Denise Braley, who's the local forager for Whole Foods Market, talking about one of her favorite finds, uh, Heidi Ho, vegan cheese. And some of you might know Heidi Ho because she was on Shark Tank uh, about a year ago. And so Denise talks a little bit here in this clip about discovering her and what happened next.
4: I found Heidi at, a, at the PSU Farmer's Market. She'd only been in business for a few months and um, her products weren't on the shelf anywhere. And she is now not only in all of our stores in the Pacific Northwest region, but she's in many of the Whole Foods market stores nationwide. You know, the race doesn't stop. Heidi being committed to working with us and, you know, getting her product in front of our customers and being in store doing demos and all those kinds of things. But, you know, one of the, well, we've actually given Heidi two loans. And the second loan she got was, um, used to help build her new production facility which is here in portland you know near the airport and so that new production facility allowed her to increase uh production levels so that she could support having her product in m- many of our stores nationwide
1: can i just um, interject with a little food story this morning because i will please. forget about it later and i just want to get this to go on the record I met with Jose Chesa this morning about our trip next month. And uh, he said, you will will appreciate this because you'll understand the impact of this. He said, I'm sending you the menu from our workshop at Tickets, Tickets Bar. Tell me if there's anything you want revised. And I looked at him and said, are you kidding me? You're asking me to tell... Uh, to tell the Adria's what they should do differently, what what is what kind of question is that? <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. So J- Jenny and I'm not purporting yeah, that Jenny can't. is in no. my situation in relation to Wyden and Kennedy, but that's why I asked that question.
2: No, you, yeah, it's it's like when you really respect someone's creative perspective, you know, you just would never. But I think that you know we were when we worked with Wyden, um, they they did the logo, which really set the tone, like you're saying. So. Um, then you know, trying to make a website from scratch, Janie did that in year one, which I don't even know how that actually happened. I just remember her being up basically all night drinking Budweiser, just doing it. So, so that's we, what it
1: takes. No artisan beer, Budweiser.
2: <laughs> I know. Don't tell anybody in Portland, right? But <laughs> well, yeah, we won't. I mean,
1: Shh. We'll keep it quiet.
2: Janie was definitely into Budweiser at that time, but I feel like it. it you know, you just did what you had to do to make it all work, and. We just are lucky that we are the sort of, like, founding members of Feast are, you know, myself, Danny, Mike, and Emily, and it's we all have totally different skill sets that come together to make Feast actually happen and make it what it is, and I, I sometimes I look back on it, and I'm just like, I don't even know how it happened. It just, it just did, and we got really lucky.
1: So were you a food lover as a kid? So is that I part was- of it, or was it PR that you happened to work at the Food Network?
2: It was a little bit of both. My mom always cooked. She was a working mom. My parents moved, or worked out of their house. They owned their own business for 25 years out of our house for the most part.
1: What kind of and business? It
2: was a graphic design business. And I just, I'm just i really proud of them because they, um, first of all, I, I'm sure that's why I own my own business now because that has to kind of like osmosis sink in a little bit. Um, but they went from desktop publishing or they went from literally, like, I don't know, I'm not even sure what you call it. You call it, like, actual, like, design where my dad was illustrating um, scanners um, and medical equipment and mm-hmm. my, like, actual graphic design. And then they moved it to desktop publishing to computers because yeah. they had to. Yeah, so well, they became web designers isn't by isn't the
1: Isn't that CAD, C-A-D, or, I, I don't know. Is it what? Isn't that CAD, computer-aided design, C-A-D? Isn't that what yep. that is? Like architectural. Well, anyway, no,
2: it wasn't. It was actually just like true. So my, my parents both went to school for fine art, mm-hmm. and so my dad they would create you know annual reports and and you know just regular graphic design printed material type work. But my dad would hand illustrate them, just because it was a skill that he had.
1: Did did they? Um, was New York their their concentration? Is that they, there are so many people in that area well, who you know.
2: It was actually like Stamford, Connecticut, and
1: oh,
2: Hartford. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and, when I was a kid, Stamford was nothing, but then around about the 80s, it started to become huge. Um, yeah. Everybody who didn't want to be in New York was moving out to Stamford and Greenwich and uh, a little bit Trumbull, you know, on the Mayor Parkway, that whole thing. I
2: think that they got there when, when Greenwich started to become that real, like, well, center. Too, yeah. You know, So I was
1: feeding off of that for a little while. Well, I was that, <laughs> accessing that, I should say. Yes, was exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. So
2: I feel like, you know, my mom always put dinner on the table she would make, you know, whether it was like pork chops, mac and cheese and green beans um, or if it was like a homemade lasagna, you know, she made dinner mm-hmm. um, and my dad grilled, my dad did the laundry. You know, they're very progressive about how they handled um, household chores. And so for us, like we always just grew up eating pretty well. You know, my mom didn't let us eat like white bread or any of those kinds of things. And we would sneak Coca Cola at our friends' houses and but she wasn't super hardcore. Like every once in a while like we always had Oreos and fun little snacks every once in a while. But um when I got to college I kind of realized like, hmm, I have absolutely no idea how to cook. And so I started trying to cook myself, but it was more like ragu and spaghetti. And then I landed at Food Network, and I was like, oh, my God, what is this world? Yeah, you know, there was a whole time where I used to sit in my cubicle and watch Rachel Ray. Like, I used to just watch the Food Network at the Food Network and learn how to cook at the same time. So and, it was definitely and she a combination. I needed a job, and then they taught me how to cook at the same time.
1: And she wasn't quite doing what our chefs in Portland are doing, which is, you know, accessing the ingredients we have here and doing things you could never even think of. I, no,
2: but I would the only thing I would say about Rachel Ray is she was teaching people who like me right. who had no knowledge base just how to use a knife, how to cut an onion. So I think if you were on that basic level, her show was
1: really helpful. Well oh, that's what I that's what I mean. It was she was she was more so how to just get through and do the basic things than um how to do crazy food, you know, like Gabriel Rucker's yeah. cookbook.
2: Oh man, which like Don't you love that cookbook? Have you
1: tried it? Have you and Jenny uh, attempted some of the recipes out in there?
2: Oh, my God. Other than, like, reading it on my coffee table. No way. (laughs) I love Gabe, but I'm just like, I'll go to La Pigeon and
1: let him do it. Well, that's kind of my thinking. People, you know, and whenever I'm asked if I cook, it's like, yeah, a little. But why attempt all that when you know you can get it done perfectly and just go out and not have to clean it?
2: My my favorite um, this-is-me-cooking story is, so Janie really loves French onion soup, like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think French onion soup, it, well, I thought it was pointless, it was not worth $8 or whatever people were charging
1: I'm with her. It. Let's do a French onion tour. So,
2: <laughs> so then I decided when Janie was cooking in the kitchen in Brooklyn, and I had tons of time on my hands by myself, that I would make her French onion soup as a surprise one night when she came home. Mm-hmm. So I open up uh, Julia Child, and I get in there, and the recipe is, I don't know, like six pages long. And I'm just like, oh, geez, like, here we go. But this is, it can't be that hard, is what I kept telling myself. Well, nine hours later, I finally have French onion soup, and I also have a new appreciation for what all goes into making it.
1: Um, yeah, I well, not only the appreciation, I kind of like it. I actually ordered it on my first date. In Connecticut, I want to talk just quickly about your pizza experience in Connecticut. But oh, yeah. my first date when I think I was 15 or 16 at Lock, Stock and Barrel in Darien, Connecticut, I o- ordered, uh, and it's still there, I ordered French onion soup. And man, that's not the best thing to do when you're trying to make an uh, impression and you're just a moronic <laughs> kid stretching that stuff out. you you <laughs> you Well, not only the bre- well, forget about the breath. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's how to eat it and not make a complete fool out of myself.
2: Yeah, don't so get it I, on your like, crisp white shirt,
1: right? No, I always do that, but it's just the stretching of the, the stretching and getting that cheese. <laughs> I need instructions. I still am not good at that. And by the way, I haven't ordered French onion soup in ages, and I like it. I like it a lot. Well, so,
2: now you'll have to go maybe like Little Bird or one of those, you I, know, like somebody who does French really well. I think. Th-
1: yeah, I think, well, yeah, let's get... I think we should do a little... French onion soup soundbite, maybe. Um, Jenny can do that for us. Heather, is that a that, good idea? I think she would love
3: to. She I, would love to talk about French idea, onion soup. There's an idea,
1: but I'd like to do that little tour. Do a little tour, like a a, a crawl. French onion soup crawl. So, um, did you go out to enjoy some New Haven pizza when you grew up in Milford?
2: I did. I went to. Um, I actually went to Sally's more than Frankie's or Fra- Frank's. Peppies. 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 Yeah. And you're
1: forgetting um, modern. But modern wasn't when you were a kid, modern wasn't really the thing. Now it's
2: No, I don't yeah, I don't know that one as much as the others. And we would always go to Sally's because um Pepe's was always I mean that line was like at least two blocks long.
1: Yeah, but the thing about Sally's, I will never go there again because I waited on a two block long line for an hour and a half, two hours, and what Sally's does is their, their Italian buddies from the neighborhood get to walk right in ahead of you. Oh, so no. you think you're sitting, oh, we're only 12 tables away. Oh, we'll get in in the next hour and a half. And then, no, you're really 30 tables away. because That stinks. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not a Sally's fan anymore. Um, way, and Pepe's has grown but I like the Modern and the the Sallies. And,
2: well, we used to have, um, I don't know how many times we ever sent to Wilford, which pepies. is my hometown. We had a couple there that were pretty good, too. So we obviously stuck, you know, going to New Haven was like going to the big city growing up. So we only went there, like, when I started getting older in high school, we would go there and have lattes and cappuccino and be super cosmopolitan.
1: And did you go to Bar? That was a pretty cool place. What bar, is it? Bar in New Haven around uh, Yale. That was one of the best pizzas Still is. Oh no! That was cool. so. I thought that might be more up your alley. And then I grew up on uh, Post Corner Pizza in Darien, which is a Greek style pizza. It's Ooh. been sold since, but these guys were just, you know. Actually, I think uh, Bill Murray's uh, uh, Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger came from there. These guys had a diner and then just started making pizza one day, oh, cool. and they grew. Then they ended up having a place in Palm Beach, Florida, and Westport, where the Fuddruckers was. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs>
2: My dad grew up in Westport, but I don't remember where the
1: floodwaters were. Well, there were some, oh. I have lots of restaurants in Westport my father used to take me to. So what about lobster rolls? Is not Stratford oh, yeah. where the, the butter lobster roll was first invented, right? Somewhere in yep. Stratford? So
2: Stratford was one town over from me, and we will go down to Lordship every once in a while. We actually went down there a lot for the tennis courts because I come from a big tennis family. I grew up. Playing tennis since I was five years old and can hold a racket.
1: You want to play so. sometime?
2: I would love to. I'm so rusty. How, I don't know if you're playing actively.
1: Well, no, I'm not playing actively now. But I've picked <laughs> twice since I moved to Portland. I met people who were play tennis, and I'm I am i am pretty good when I pick it up when I haven't played for a while. So I'm not concentrating Ooh. too much. But uh, it's a few years later, so just get me to have to move a lot, and you can. That's the secret. <laughs> But um but I play. The same
2: thing for me. I haven't played since I was pregnant, so I feel like it's been. Well, at least that's a year.
1: more that's more recently than I have. But I have a, I piss people off because I have. A, we actually won a tournament right before I moved out here. I have an old style cut game, which no one does anymore. Oh
2: longer. god! Oh, so you have like the slice and dice. I back. have
1: the slice and dice, and I'll yeah, I will not do back, what you, you, you think. You? I will. I will not hit it where you think it's going to go. So um, that's
2: my. You know, my mom plays like that, and it's. I, I feel like it's not fair.
1: It's old time. I mean, that's <laughs> what, how I learned. So the the new, you know, overhand smash was something I didn't. I can do it, but it's not. And my backhand yeah. is completely old style. But and at I any grew rate,
2: in the time of Aunt Andre Agassi, so you can imagine, it, like Jennifer Capriati and Martina hey, Navratilova. I
1: was Rod Laver.
2: <laughs> Don't tell people that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs> So, uh, but I love tennis, and uh, actually, you know, my father was a big golfer, but I was like tennis more. And I play
2: golf. You know, I got out with my dad a couple of weeks ago. We went and played at uh, Heron Lake mm-hmm. of uh, Northeast. Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: Nice. Portland good... has the
2: best golf courses.
1: Well, I played a little bit here, and uh, I still have a lot of baggage to get over on on golf. But um, that <laughs> that I can pick up Don't a club. We all? And, well, but I can pick up a club because I played so much when I was a kid, and look pretty good for around, but consistently speaking, it's, it's kind of hard. So is this possibly the first—you do a lot of interviews, Carrie. Is this the first one where we're, you're talking about Milford and, and, <laughs> yeah. and not Feast? I'm hoping it was maybe refreshing for you. No, not that really you don't much. love never, Feast, you know, but you've—
2: People d- want to know about New York and Food Network, like we covered, but nobody knows where Milford is usually, so well, I
1: Well, it's halfway between where I grew up— and where I ended up when I had, you know, a wife and kids. So I had my that those chapters of my life. But Milford was always in the middle. So for me.
2: Oh, you know, I think it it's such a great time. I miss it a little bit. My best friend still lives there. We I grew up in like one of the one of the beach communities, you know, where we all, you know, left the house at nine and didn't come back till dinner time and just went, you know, played tennis and went in the in Long Island Sound and stuff. So I I had a really lovely childhood there. So we miss it but my folks moved out here last year and they really love portland so oh, that's helpful
1: that's nice for them because that's a nice move and i have the same fond memories of connecticut i just love my childhood and happy that i have it and i'm beginning to appreciate it a little yeah. more now now me that too. i've had kids and i look at you know how things are a little different now so well, I, re- I can't
2: believe that taylor is going to grow up in portland you know that's just to me but. That- he gets to grow up with the Oregon coast and the gorge and all these crazy places.
1: So, so you think, but you never know, Carrie, I mean, things happen quickly for you and that would be, I guess, uh, let's end it on this. Where do you see? So in five years, all this has happened. You've got, you've got little green pickle, which is, uh, which is awesome. And, and feast, what do you see five years from now? Um, you're not going to stand still, do you have a vision for where you might be in five or ten years?
2: I think so. We'll be here. Um, and I'll keep Taylor here just as long as I can, like any good parent, right?
1: And by the uh, way, I have to tell you, and I've said this on Facebook, I have never seen a child that looks so happy and has expressions that indicate and old, that he's older to me. And I don't mean that mm. in a negative way. yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, you have to know what, you, what I mean because you see it too. But every, you know, I have, you see a lot of Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds with kids on them. I'm drawn to him. I haven't. An, oh. um, and I, there's not a picture I don't stop and look at and appreciate Of your child, well, and I'm not just saying that because I will tell you that a lot of them. I just I look at a lot of feeds and go, do people think about me and my dog pictures the way that I think of these (laughs) people in their kid pictures? But I'm sure they do, and it's you know it is what it is. But I love the pictures of Taylor. No,
2: thank you. And and I, you know, my my sister said to me, she said you guys uh, didn't have Taylor kind of the um, a way that was easy. And when you fight to have a baby the way that you did, it makes you a different parent. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's that's deep. And that's true. So that's how I feel about him. I just feel like every day is a gift.
1: Well, he's you can see it. You can see his absorbing that and <laughs> it coming back cuz he just looks so delightful. And I do not say that about a lot of kids. I'm telling you, I think. <laughs> well,
2: Except for I, mine, sure of course.
1: Mine I still love looking at those old pictures of my kids. Thank God they didn't have Facebook then.
2: Oh man. You and me both, right? Yeah, well, um, you
1: do. So Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, so what do you see for we the be future? In five
2: years. Um, we'll be here. I would like to be eventually on the coast, like m- very often. I told Jenny that. Like I'm, I'm jealous of you and and your coast experience. Um, it's pretty I cool. Like, I will
1: vouch for it. It's yeah. And and but the nice thing is you can't leave Portland. You can't leave Portland. You gotta have access to it and be able yeah. to enjoy it.
2: Yeah, and I think that it's a real ideal life for those of us who really love the water Mm -hmm. um, that we're surrounded by all the time. So, I mean, I see Feast continuing to grow. Um, I think that five years from now, you know, we're going to have bigger, more events even, um, but then also maybe some more small events because we have to keep that balance. Otherwise, it gets a little unwieldy. Um, And I think that, you know, Little Green Pickle, we're lucky enough to have a thriving PR business. Mm -hmm. And we represent clients in Portland and out. So, I mean, in a way, what's hard for us is that the world is our oyster, and it's kind of making decisions on what to focus on at any given time. Um, So, I I don't know. To me, I feel like I want to raise my son, maybe have another baby, and so he has a sibling, and and just kind of figure it all out, because, you know, it's a really nice balance right now.
1: Uh, That's a nice position to be in. Lucky Uh, me, right? Part, yeah, lucky you. It's, I'm sure
2: people are like, "What a jerk!" God, eat her.
1: No, no, not <laughs> at all. Um, oh, I just wanted to ask you about events because you just mentioned them. That's where my. Uh, uh, do you think? What do you think about the event world? When I yeah. was here five years ago, there weren't you know it was restaurants, and you go went out to eat and you looked at a menu, and you ordered stuff, and uh, now. Half of the eating experiences are are closed menus, events, and yeah. they're all over the place. Hi, Taylor. <laughs> Taylor says
2: hello.
1: So, what do you think about? Um, oh, hi, back. What do you think about uh, the? Where's the event? Do you think there? I, I tend to think there. It's wonderful. There are a lot of them, but man, yeah. it's saturated with events. Can it get more saturated?
2: has always been an event happy town i think there's a lot of fun things to celebrate here wine beer food um so collaborations that
1: continue- yeah that's what really does it it's the collaborative spirit yeah, no one would be doing it alone together right no one so, would be doing it alone it's the spirit that that spawns the events
2: but i think it's cool because so people want to work together and then it's always changing so i think that it continues to evolve and where you saw traditional winemaker dinners a few years ago, those have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that as long as we're kind of moving and shifting and figuring out new ideas around all those things, then it's great. And I think even like large or small scale, it's a challenge that any event producer has to take on, you know, because feast has to change too.
1: Yeah, well, not you just have to grow it. I don't think you I think you want to take it works what 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 works if it If it's yeah. not broken, don't fix it.
2: Yeah, not too much, but just a little bit every year. We always say that the number one challenge with feast is is vesting ourselves every year, topping ourselves every year, and we do it because we want to. You know, we we kind of want everyone to come back to feast, and you have your your favorites, but then there's also something new that you haven't seen before.
1: I think that's important. You got to keep it fresh and new because I love night market. You know, there than everybody does. It's the first one to sell out, correct? Yeah, and exactly. and so and so many, but I think. Over time, someone who I like night market, but I don't know. Every year, you don't want people to be thinking, "Oh, I've done the sandwich invitational. I don't need to do that this year." But it's new chefs. That's what you do to keep it fresh. And you've added smoked, which is really cool. So, yeah,
2: I mean, I think like smoked is a good example that you know we saw an opening on the Saturday night event, and we took it and said, "I think that we could do even better."
1: So, do you so, are you going to be doing uh, any cannabis? Uh, events next year, you know, I'm planning one with uh, with leather stores at Noble Rot coming up soon. Oh, that
2: yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, why not? Um, we are going to see how all this shakes out a little bit more. Yeah, but I no pun say, intended no, never on say that. Never,
1: no pun intended on that. On how it shakes out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it would be kind of cool, and then uh, it also is something. There are a lot of food festivals around the country. Probably not going to be done anywhere else in the near future. So.
2: Yeah, that could be a, a new kind of claim to fame eventually, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, as it sort of evolves, we will evolve with it.
1: Yes, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you'll pick <laughs> up, you're not going to miss an opportunity, that I know. No, you that you know, know that,
2: yeah. If yeah. there's an opportunity, we'll probably jump on it.
1: Well, so speaking of opportunities, I'm glad we had this one today. Me too. You know, I I adore you, I adore Janny. I think everything you guys do is great, and uh and I am uh, proud that in and there are quite a few tra- Connecticut transplants here in Portland. Have you noticed that, by the way? I have. Yeah. Rick, it's Rick nice Giancarelli. People
2: know where New Haven is. Yeah. Say.
1: Rick Giancarelli, Tommy from Bunk. You know, there's, we have a lot of we have a lot to be proud about. So um, we do. So I'm glad to be in the uh, the club with you.
2: Well, same here, Chris. We love you, and right back at you. And thanks for
1: having me on today. My pleasure. I'm glad you could do it. You got it. All right. We'll see you in a few.
2: Okay, bye.
1: Thanks. Right the Fork is recorded in the beautiful studios
0: at Alpha Media and expertly sound engineered by Court Johnson and produced by me, Heather Jones. If you want to find us, we are on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. We love ratings and reviews, so thank you to those who have done that, and please, we hope you'll continue to do so. You can find us at portlandfoodanddrink.com and portlandfoodadventures.com and of course right at thefork.com discoverportland.net and now at foodcartsportland.com lots of great places to find us we're also on twitter food podcast pdx and of course facebook as well also on our website we now have a donate button so if you enjoy the podcast and want to see it continue please donate and thank you so much